Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of Believe in Kentucky. Coming to y'all courtesy of the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Vinny Hardy. We got the QB1, Jalen Whitlow in here. And we got Como's favorite son. Ah. (laughs) The newest fan of Columbia, Missouri. One Aaron Gershon for the Cats Paws. What's up, fellas? Yeah, that's funny. How y'all doing? How y'all doing, man? Yeah, man. You know the the biggest reason I was complained is I stayed I stayed you know just outside St. Louis to cut the drive you know make it a little bit of a shorter drive both ways, and it was sixty five when I left the hotel, and I get to Como and it, the real feel is thirty three and the wind is freaking whipping and it's raining and then the press box the elevator was down and I had to climb six. Six uh, six levels of stairs, and it was just not a good start, not a good first impression. But uh, nothing against the folks in Como. It was just uh, it was a rough morning until we started playing some football. Never a good day in Como, man. <laughs> no, no. I, had, I had to stir it up, man. I had to stir it up. I knew I was gonna poke at you and say something about it. Man, they, they didn't even have no good St. Louis barbecue or nothing. Nothing. Como. Not in Como, but uh, yeah, St. Louis is all right. I have nothing against St. Louis, but uh, man, it was just a, uh, it was a drag, and uh, it was very cold. And uh, I will, I will say though, Missouri's fan base showed up pretty a lot better than it looked like it was going to be. Uh, about twenty minutes out of kickoff, when the you know the band started doing their thing, it was almost empty in there, and, and it did fill up pretty well. I think actually it was the largest announced attendance in the in Drinkwood's first three years and you kind of kicked 2020 out of that with the with the COVID restrictions but uh it was a better crowd than I was anticipating and and they were definitely into the game so I give them credit for that you got that contract extension <laughs> loss and now they got to go to Knoxville I don't know it's a pretty bad time to get that money I don't know. yeah I don't know if they're gonna get I don't know if they're gonna be bowl eligible you, you got Tennessee uh, so that'll be a loss, and then you got a freebie. They're playing some, you know, FBS, F- F- not group of five, so they'll probably win that game. So that's five wins, and then Arkansas at the end of the year. I know Arkansas just lost to Liberty, but Arkansas is a better team than, than Missouri, uh, especially if KJ Jefferson's fully healthy. So yeah, they might not even be bowl eligible uh, out there. Yeah, it's gonna be uh. It's going to be tight for Missouri, man. I was looking yeah. at the schedule um, at Tennessee. I mean, 
I mean, we Missouri again. It's one of those things where they could show up. I mean, they showed up against some good teams this year, but you know, on paper, they should get beat by three scores. Um, yes. You know, they'll they'll win the the the, the group of five game. I think. Um, yeah, New- Arkansas is tricky, man. Arkansas is tricky. Arkansas is tricky for LSU this weekend too. I know that's kind of a different subject, but it's not it's not out of the realm of possibilities that Bama get back in the SEC championship game. Um, <laughs> Arkansas, they got to play at Arkansas and at Texas A and M. And Arkansas, I always say Arkansas and Missouri is a tricky, tricky trip, man. It's tricky. It's always Black Friday too, right? It's always when they play usually. Yeah, they hold on. Uh, Missouri is always on Black Friday. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. That's right. That is right. Yep. Look, as much as everybody, we're gonna get to Kentucky, Missouri. We're gonna get to Kentucky, Vanderbilt. As look, this believing Kentucky podcast. So y'all, y'all know, but we we diverting for a little bit. As as dead and stinking as everybody wants to say Alabama is, they lost in Knoxville by a field goal. They lost in Baton Rouge by one on a two-point conversion that was converted. Two road games, tough place to play. They lost by four points. And it was all Tennessee could do to beat them. It was all LSU could do to beat them. But yet, Bama's dead. No, they ain't. No, they're dead. I mean, they're definitely – they're not – I mean, this year they have more holes than usual, and they're undisciplined. That's a big thing, man. They are undisciplined as hell for whatever reason this year. Uh, I don't know if it's because they have some younger guys. And, and the other thing, um, too, is, you know, when we think of Alabama, I think lately you think of the receivers. I mean, they usually have four NFL first-round picks on the same. You know, we saw that a couple of years back, and it's just not the same receivers as usual. But, yeah, you're totally right. They easily could be, you know, 9-0 or 8-0, whatever they would be at this point. Uh, but a double-edged sword of that is, you know, they only beat A&M by one score, and A&M stinks this year. And they only beat Texas by one without Quinn Ewers. So, um, you know, there's a couple different ways to look at it. But, you know, another team, well, it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see what happens out in uh, out in Oxford. Uh, if Alabama responds, they come back and beat Ole Miss or, you know, if Ole Miss wins that game, they're still they still have a shot at the SEC West if LSU were to trip up. Yeah. Go ahead, Jamie. No, I was going to say, I think uh, I definitely think, you know, I got a family full of Bama fans, and I told this to him on Saturday, things are definitely, you know, starting to regress a little bit. They're not done. They're not – the dynasty is not over, but they are regressing a little bit. And I think big, the big reason is because uh, they don't have strong coordinators. You know, Nick no. Saban's 71 years old, um, and, you know, he's not, you know, he's not a spring chicken, you know, to be able to put his – his hand and his, his, you know, his kind of touch on every single aspect of the program, you know, I'm sure as you get older, you know, your energy diminishes. So um, I I think that's the thing too. They're not playing with the same discipline. And I think partly because they don't have, they don't have strong assistance. I'm not saying all the assistants, but we know Bill O'Brien is not the best. We, we, we've seen it, you know, yeah. I mean, it's just, I'm watching their film, and I I, I am I'm clueless. You can't tell me that you spend that much time 
6 a.m., you're at the office, you don't leave till 11, and this is the best you can come up with. You just can't tell me that. Um, and, you know, so I think it's that. I, but, but at the end of the day, you're right. They barely beat Texas without clean yours. Um, but on the flip side of that, Tennessee played the perfect game to beat them. With yeah. help. With, you could – I'm sure – Oh, my God, Yeah, I'm sure Nick Saban had – a lot of plays he put in that email to send to the office. It was some questionable calls in that game, man. A lot of them. A lot of que- – and non-calls. Questionable. Um, and, and, and then – Yeah. And then, and then you know, the LSU thing, that's just on Bama. I think they missing tackles, not as physical. You watch Georgia, and I tell people this. I watch Georgia, and I see what Alabama used to be when – back in 12 and 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. And, you know, and it's kind of like roles reversed almost, but they definitely not done though. Yeah. They, they definitely not done. I mean, they, they, they're not, they're not the Bama of 2000 and, you know, 12 and 13 and 14, 15, but I, I, I don't think they're, I don't think they're done at all. Again, this off season, they'll get, they'll get seven transfers, very good transfers. And they'll be they'll be right back in that thing, man. It's funny you made that point about Georgia. I was listening on my way back, you know, back home to Kentucky from from the Missouri game. Uh, I think it was Barrett Sally and Andy Staples, and they said uh, that out uh, Nick Saban back. I want to say in 2014 or 15, it said if so, if the right person gets the Georgia job, that they're going to become a problem. Yeah. And because Alabama was recruiting all the kids that Georgia has now, and they and, and if you you know, put that in 2015, they'd probably go to go to Alabama. But now, you know, Georgia is able to keep kids in state. Obviously, so many good players in that, you know, Jalen and Georgia, where you're at in, in that area. And Kirby Smart, who's Alabama's guy, or Nick Saban's guy, rather. Man, yeah. he's unbelievable job, and they're kind of feeling like the new Alabama. But, yeah, the assistants are a problem. I mean, you look at the 2015 staff, that was a national championship winning team. Lane Kiffin, Kirby Smart, Mario Cristobal, Billy Napier, and Mel Tucker, all in the same staff. Yeah. So yeah. His credit, he's sustained it this long because he's had to, he's had to replace coordinators almost every year because you yes. can't blame dudes for taking head coaching opportunities when they present themselves. So he's he's kept them at this level, plugging coordinators every year, every couple of years. Next year might be the the do or die year. If they got two losses again before the Iron Bowl next year, then you know everybody in Tuscaloosa is gonna be restless and, and hot. But he could quick fix, like you said, Jalen, and be right back to you know he he's been down this road a couple times before where they lose a couple games and play Utah in some bowl game they don't care about, and he's come back and all right I'm back I'm let y'all know who I am again. So we'll see what happens you know this time next year and if they drop a couple games and. You know, then, then we might know. And I just I just watched his interview. He was talking about the parody in college football now. He was like, there's more parody. And there is. Like, I there mean, is. Texas is taking some of his kids he used to get from Texas. Uh, Bill, uh, Brian Kelly is going to get some of the kids he used to get from uh, – you know, those Louisiana kids are very loyal when there was a good coach in Louisiana. Uh, Georgia, you know, I'm surrounded by a trillion huge schools where I am. And they're all, you know, got a lot of talent, but Kirby Smart is keeping a lot of them. Uh, you got Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss who's taking some of them. I mean, you got you got Tennessee now who's going to take them. Uh, I mean, it's 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 tough. It's a lot of parity out, which is good to see from a uh, you know a, just a, just a football fan standpoint. 
Yeah. And real quick, obviously, we'll get into Kentucky. But, you know, the one thing I can't get over about Georgia is, you know how many transfers they have on that roster? None. Zero. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they just, it is unbelievable what talent uh, Kirby Smart and his staff is able to develop. And you're going to start seeing the similar thing where, you know, we already saw Dan Lanning obviously go to Oregon. But you're going to see Tom Munkin go somewhere. You'll probably see Will Muschamp get a second chance. It's going to be the same thing there. But as long as Kirby's there, man, you got to feel pretty good. Yeah, third chance, wouldn't he? Their chance, but it, I don't. I don't think it'll be an SEC gig. Uh, don't go, but yeah. maybe like you know, like a place like Arizona State or Colorado could make yeah. sense. There you go. That, that's his speed. That's he the, ain't get another chance in the SEC. That, that surely not. <laughs> Hugh Freeze will be back before Will much. <laughs> Hugh Freeze probably deserves to be back before Will Must Camp. Uh, he, he does. Yup. Yup. I mean. And look, that Arkansas was up there getting hype in the West, you know, just kind of like Kentucky was in the East. And and a lot of fans are disappointed. Eight and four is still possible if Kentucky handles their business. And you know, you're not going to be 10 and 2 and 11 and 1 like you hoped. But, you know, there was periods of times where Kentucky fans were dying to be 8 and 4. There were periods of years. You go back to Jerry Claiborne, who. Like 84, they went to a Hall of Fame Bowl, beat Wisconsin. For 10 straight years, it would take them two years to win 10 games. It would take them two years to win eight games because they'd be five and five and five and five and four and six and four. Take you two years to win eight, two years to win seven. So if we fall to eight and four, is not the sky will not be falling. It won't be the end of the world, even though some fans want to think it is for Kentucky. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. I think at this point, you know, there's more of a disappointment than anger with six and three. At least that's the vibe I get around here. But the more concerning thing, and I don't know if we want to go down this road, is, you know, getting this NIL collective figured out and making sure, one, you're keeping your own guys, and two, you're able to recruit in the future. And this 20, you know, a lot of talk, you know, this 2023 class who has some dudes, but, you know, it's not the same as, you know, 20 last year's class, which was their best probably uh, it's already showing on the field, probably the best one in the stoops. But, you know, 2014, they, they went crazy with their signing class. I think they finished in the top, you know, 30, 25. And then they had a down year in 2015. Part of it's a numbers game, too, uh, with scholarships. And, you know, the transfer portal is something that, obviously, Mark Stoops has completely and utterly um, bought into. And they're going to pick pieces out of that. And they're going to lose guys to it uh, who – Hopefully not any big guys, but they're going to definitely just lose guys who uh, don't see as much time on the playing field. So I think, you know, if, if they handle business, they go eight and four, especially if the offense uh, better look better this weekend against Vanderbilt's defense, the almost uh, 130th in the country there. Um, but if the offense looks good, they finish eight and four, win their bowl game. Uh, I still think it, it, it's – is it a successful year? No, because they're past, you know, just winning bowls, but it's a – it's not a year where you can be all that angry, like you said, Vinny, where eight wins was way far down the, the line of thought going into years uh, in years past. Yeah. You know, eight and four is definitely good. And not, again, you know, you got fans who appreciate eight and four. You got fans who, and you know, understandably so, they want more. Um, but my thing is I see fans on there talking about, you know, uh, you know, discussing certain schools in the country that 
you know, started on third base, so to speak. And Kentucky didn't necessarily start on third base with Stoops. So it's hard to compare, you know, it's hard to compare that. And I, I even see fans who's, you know, Alabama fans who want Nick Saban questioned and fired. From I mean, again, <laughs> some people just, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you, some people just, you can't help them. Uh, but on the on the flip side of that, I do think uh, I do think you know as a as a program, Kentucky's in a you know in a, in a good spot. You know, I, and I said this a while ago, and I said this multiple times on here. I mean, if you'd ask the the average Kentucky fan, okay, in two thousand eighteen, this would be a record. Two thousand nineteen, this would be a record, right? 2021 this is to be this is what happens in 2021 they will take it every time right because they, they've been they've been through too much of two and ten right I'll, I'll give my left pinky to be eight and four when I was starting quarterback at Kentucky so um you know what I'm saying so you know again you know appreciate it while you got it um and I, and I think it's one of those things but I looked at the game on on Saturday I was like oh yeah Kentucky you know looking at Missouri and Kentucky and the talent on the field I was like, yeah, Kentucky definitely has a lot of uh, has more talent, and the big thing is they have more young talent, right? Yes. They have a bunch of guys that are coming back, so uh, that's that's big. You know, I think Dane Key could be really good. Uh, he get in the weight room, get stronger this offseason, get a little bit bigger. Uh, I mean, you got, you know, you got to kind of manage the roster. You're gonna have guys that want to leave, and rightfully so, at receiver because they're only playing two receivers on the field most of the time. Um, yep. and guys gonna wanna guys gonna wanna leave and go get reps somewhere else. And that's understandable. But um, you know, if they can reload, you know, that quarterback room, which I think if they don't get a great transfer at quarterback, I think the starter next year is gonna end up being the Wade kid. Me uh, too. I, I really do believe that. But that will cause Scangarillo to kind of change a little bit. Uh can't, you know, does he have the ability to change? Does he want to change? I watch a lot of his interviews, and it seemed like he really, really loved the NFL style of play, right? The the under center, slow grind, pro style, hand the ball off, play action, and that's great, man. That that it works when you have great players to do that. Um, but on the flip side of that, you know, on the other side of the coin, you want to generate as much buzz as you can in this world, right, kids? Kids get on Instagram, and I got kids that I train. They show me their Instagram. The first thing they show me, man, look at TCU receiver. He had 200 yards receiving this week, right? That's what they. That's how they think, you know. Yeah, they're 16, 17 year old kids. That's how they think, right? Sure. You know, so that's always going to be the thing. But I do think, look, they are in a great spot. You know, if they can manage their roster this off season, you know, you can't because a lot of the talent now you're going to miss and and. You know, I'm sure Stoops feel better about that linebacker core. Both of his six-year guys are out, and they they didn't miss a beat, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, best player on the field. Zach. Yes, they they really didn't miss a beat. Now I'm sure there were some things that we don't see from the outside looking in, as far as just managing, making calls or whatnot. But those guys look they look just as good as the two older guys. So they're in a good spot, Kentucky. I think Kentucky should be grateful. Yeah, it, it, you make a great point. I think, and I was just having this conversation with Dick Gabriel 30 minutes ago. I think what's overlooked about this Kentucky team, and I, I honestly overlooked it before the year, is, you know, you overlook that how young this team is. 
it, when you have a guy like Will Levis, who's a fifth-year senior at quarterback, you forget about it. When you have, like you mentioned, uh, the two linebackers, Square and Jones, you forget, you know, the guys around them, man, are young. You look at the defensive line, you know, Deion Walker is a is a freshman. Uh, Ox is, is a, like a kind of a sophomore. He only played one full year. Um, same with Ripka, who's, I think, a junior, but he only played a tiny bit last year. Justin Rogers is a junior. Uh, you look at the defensive backfield, Carrington's a second-year starter. Um, Jordan Love is a freshman. And then on offense especially, the offensive line, we all know the youth and inexperience, one or the other there. Your skill position guys are Dane Key and Barry Unbrown, first-year freshmen. And now your two starting tight ends, and they're both playing phenomenal, are two freshmen, Jordan Dingle and Josh Caddis. Uh So, uh, you know, really the only experienced uh, guys on the offense are the quarterback and the running back. Um, and Tavion, you know, he's new to this team, but uh, he's an experienced guy too. But, man, it's a pretty young roster. And you just look at the way they ended that game on defense. I mean, it was Trevin Wallace, Derek Jackson, Keaton Wade, a freshman, making plays. And on offense, you know, Jordan Dingle made so many plays uh, the last couple of weeks. And Dane Key, you know, with the game-winning score. And Josh Caddis uh, is a machine blocking and had a catch. So this is a, it's a pretty young football team, and that gets you excited. Um, about the future, and that's why I think you know this NIL situation. As long as you keep your guys here, uh, it's not going to be that big of a deal. Say next year, maybe even the year after. It's more about the future, and that's what you know a lot of fans are worried about. But I, I just think you got to understand this team is young, and they're still you know they were able to at Missouri. What they were able to do is find a way to win. Where at Ole Miss, they found a way to lose, and a lot of that. You know, obviously, Levis had a couple of plays he'd want back, but you had a you know freshman in Wallabog who gave up that game-winning sack. You had Brown, a freshman who had the penalty that negated the touchdown. So you had young players making mistakes that lost to a game. And South Carolina was a really young quarterback who had never played. Uh, Tennessee were just outclass talent-wise. So you know, this is a this is still a pretty young team, and they're six and three in the SEC. Some good perspective, sure is. Good perspective, of course. Oh, um, so yeah, the NIL thing is, is you're behind, you got to get caught up, got to get that organized, get that together, get it to where the players can get the money from people who are wanting to give them money, the businesses that are wanting to donate and quit trying to be taking money from the players when, you know, the university and JMI already has plenty of money, Just take a step back, chill. Y'all, y'all are not broke. You're, you're fine. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if you guys saw the story about that local card shop here in Lexington trying to do, you know, an autograph signing with, you know, players. And the players love that one because it's easy and it, it, it's a gold mine. It makes a lot of money, uh, especially for, you know, I remember when they used to do the autograph for, for the players who were going to the NFL or NBA. Um, and I remember, you know, going to Benny Snell's not to shoot pictures and the line was like unreal. So, you know, it's a great way to make those players money, but the um, JMI wouldn't let the, I forget the name of the store, but the owner of the card shop sell anything uh, to be signed with a UK logo on it because they own the rights without giving JMI a big fat paycheck, like stuff like that has to get cleaned up you got to be able to get these kids money easily you got to make it where the rules are really simple and are not simple but they're just 
they're all the same. It's the same rules for everybody. And there's a place where you can read up and know the rules and you got to know what you're doing. I mean, it just speaks a lot that even, you know, and I think, you know, obviously a lot of people are going to point the finger at Mitch Barnhart and yeah, he's been late to embrace it, but it's not just him. It's, it's, it's a collective effort, but you just see where the communication is a myth, whether it's with Barnhart and Stoops or whoever's above whatever and Stoops when, you know, Stoops in July talked about how, you know, he didn't think there'd be any sort of collective because at that point they thought collectives were against the rules. And then today on the SEC media call, Stoops says we have to get the collective going. So it just tells you how tricky this whole thing is. And uh, it feels like other schools have figured it out ahead of Kentucky, and that's frustrating. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely, you know, it's definitely one of those things that you, you know, there's no one on your list if you're Mark Stoops right now. Um, let's figure that out because, again, you don't want to lose out on kids because you figured it out too late. You know, you're losing out on a lot of talent. So they got to figure that out because – and even nowadays, and it's and I don't like this at all. But even to keep kids on a roster, you got to figure that out because you know they'll, you know, however they do it, however schools are getting in touch with these kids, or they they're telling the players that know some of these kids to get in touch with them. You know, they got to figure out how to do that because uh, you know, guys will get wind of other opportunities real fast, um, especially your talented, explosive guys. You got to keep them on a the roster because. You know, it, it's just a battle. The, the margin of error is so small. I mean, it's extremely small. Like, you know, what I mean, it, it could be, I mean, Alabama could easily be undefeated right now, or they could have four losses. Yes. Kentucky could easily be undefeated right now, or they can have whatever, right? Or even have an extra loss from what they have now. Because of this, I mean, if that ball goes outside of the tackle box on a bad snap the other day, we're in a totally different situation. I mean, it's just so the play, I mean, players, you know, the talent is the talent. You got to have that because coaching, you can coach as good as you want to coach. There's great coaches around the country. Iowa has, in my lifetime, I haven't seen Iowa win a Big Ten championship. Uh, Iowa State, in my lifetime, I don't remember. I haven't seen them win a Big 12 championship. Not uh-huh. that I, you know, and these are programs with extremely good coaches. Um, you know, UCLA, extremely good coaching over there. They're probably not going to win one now that Oregon is up and rolling, right? It, you know, so you got to have the talent, or you know, your fan base expected championships. I mean, you know, players bring that, you know, coaches, the margin of error for coaches. I mean, it's just, I mean, you got your Nick Stables of the world, right? You got your Brian Kelly, who I think Brian Kelly's in that conversation, is a really good coach. Uh, but then most people are in this, you know, middle range here, most of them. Uh, so I'm not saying, you know, Stoops or, or is not because he's only one coach. He's just a head coach. But where's Skang in that conversation? Where's Brad White in that conversation, right, uh, relative to whoever's calling the defense at Georgia or whoever's calling the offense at TCU or, or Texas, right? You know, the margin of error is so small. You know, you need a guy like Barry on Brown to break three tackles and run a 90-yard touchdown sometimes. I mean, that's what you need. And to do that, nowadays, you gotta put you gotta you gotta have uh you gotta have some commas ready to yeah. ready to give. So, you know, that's just that's just where we at. And you know, the other thing too, and you know, no one's gonna like hearing this, but you gotta keep coaches. <laughs> I mean, 
Uh, you look at and even ADs. Look at Mississippi State. John Cohen, who is a Mississippi State alum, you know, his dream job was always to, you know, he was the baseball coach here, baseball coach there. His dream job, he always said, was I want to be the AD at Mississippi State. He left because their NIL situation was a mess in Auburn. He could pretty much inherit a gold mine of NIL money. And, that you know, coaches are going to look at that, too. I mean, you know, Lane Kiffin, everyone's like, oh, why would he leave Ole Miss? Why would he leave Ole Miss? They're doing great. They're not going to be able to keep some of their kids at Ole Miss right now because their NIL situation is not as good as Auburn. So, um, and, you know, Mark Stoops is going to be on lists of schools that are have good NIL situations and are also, you know, typically football schools like Auburn um, is. So, you know, you got to – if you want to keep Stoops around, you got to he, – he's bending – I guarantee you he's bending Mitch Barnhart or whoever's arm saying, get me this NIL money. We got to stay ahead. We got to stay, you know, on course, you know, or else this thing's going to fall apart and I'm not going to be here when it does fall apart because <laughs> he's doing everything he can and at, at some point – you know, an opportunity is going to be too good to pass up on. And that's not just Stoops. I mean, that's coaches, like I just said, with Lane Kiffin or even Mike Leach, if, you know, he was a guy that uh, school, I don't know if <laughs> the year they're having, he's as attractive. But just just guys who are having success but could go elsewhere and, you know, at a school that maybe is seen as a similar job. But the NIL factors into that. Too. Was it Jimmy's? Roadshow shot was that the yes Jimmy's Roadshow. Thank you. That was it. Had him on here on the podcast, man. That's a good yes. Good yeah. Next time I'm listening, I gotta stop in there because that that shop looks amazing, man. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was the name of it. Thanks, sir. That was it. <laughs> Jimmy Mayhem. He's a he's a good yes. Dude. Good dude. Yeah. And speaking of you know the game, Colin Goodfellow, man. <laughs> Y'all already mentioned it. He he bailed him out. We we were talking about it during the game in our in our group in our message chat, and he, like you said, <laughs> if, if they score or get a safety from that the momentum, they get the ball back, and it's a completely different situation. He literally took one for the team because he's he hurt himself <laughs> majorly. But to have a presence of mind to run it down and still just punt and, you know, got roughed and took that lick and, you know, he he saved, you know, you know the long snappers got to be like, thank you, man, I appreciate it. Because, <laughs> you know, Drinkowitz was complaining and whining because, you know, he's saying that Kentucky got rewarded for making a huge mistake. No, Kentucky didn't get rewarded until your player made a mistake of roughing the punter that was protected. If that snap goes over your head, Jalen, you run back and go to throw it and get rough, you still gonna be a penalty. It's still gonna be automatic first down. If you're you know healthy enough to stay in the game, you get a new set of downs to start the drive. Again, same situation except Colin was punting and he was protected. Like Stoop said the other night, fortunately it went straight back and he was still in the box. But if the same thing would happen to you, Jalen Whitlow, quarterback, if you go back and run down a bad snap and try to throw that Colin Goodfellow did on on getting that punt and getting it out of there. Yeah, it was. You know, I remember when I was I was watching the game. I was like, did that just? I saw the snap. I was like, you can't tell me that just happened. I was like, you, you, you're joking. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he chased the ball down, man, and and picked it. And people got to, and I know this sounds super small, but the fact that he picked it up as smoothly as he, as smoothly as he did, not picked easy. the ball up, 
you know, had the wherewithal to turn his body and punt the ball. I was like, man, they, you know, they, 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 they deserve to win this one because that, that was a, you know, and it seemed like such a, okay, you know, I'm sure some fans were looking at the play like, what was so great about that play? He picked it up and punt. Well, that's hard to do because if you saw his, if you saw his, his helmet or his stripe on his helmet, he picked up the ball. He, he looked and saw who was coming and, he, you know, he knew he had to get that ball off pretty fast. Um, and at first, you know, when it happened, I was like, what's the rule here? I saw the flag. And, um, you know, I forgot that the, the tackle box rules still apply for a punter uh, unless he's a uh, like a rugby style uh, punter where it's almost like a quarterback scrambling. So, um, yeah, you know, yeah, so that, you know, but that was that was huge. That was a good play by him. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure there was they, I heard they were uh, hitting up his Venmo pretty good. And they donate <laughs> they donate the money to charity. So that that's cool. Yeah, that that was uh, you know, the, uh, and Mark, what he said after the game, and what I was thinking in the moment was kick it out of bounds, kick it out of bounds, take the safety, and you know, at that point it would have been twenty-one to nineteen, and you just trust your defense to you know hold them down because they've done it for most of the game. But you know, to have the like you said, the awareness to to get that ball off, know he was going to get pounded, and uh, man, what what a play, a game-saving play, and. Um, Exactly, you nailed it. That's the rule that Mark Stoops explained Monday was, you know, the Aussie-style punters are not going to be protected because they can be, you know, confused for or establish themselves as a runner. I mean, just ask ask Missouri about Max Duffy. I know Drinkwitz was the year after, but, you know, we saw Max Duffy with a 26-yard uh, fake against them a couple of years ago in the rain. Um, but Colin Goodfellow, man, not an Aussie. And uh, just just <laughs> what a way to go out, too. That's a six-year senior, so he's done. Uh, he ended his college career here. Yeah. So, so you bring on Vanderbilt, you know, so you should handle your business. Now, Swan is out, but it's Mike Wright. It's not like it's a backup. It's not like it's Kyle, uh, Kyle Sharon coming in. It's a dude no. that's played. It's a dude that's played against you. Dude, you played against him. A dude that has played some ball. But just, played well against you. <laughs> yeah, he's been benched, relegated to the bench. They got a lot of uh, a flu uh, epidemic running through the squad. Guys injured and sick. But this is a guy who is not going to be green and fresh and nervous because he hasn't played before. Yeah, now I, I got to talk with Mike a little bit down in Atlanta at SEC Media Days. Really good dude. Really smart. Uh, goes with the Vanderbilt territory. <laughs> but uh, nah, man, he, he's a great kid. He's really smart and uh, he was very high on what Kentucky's defense can do, and he's good friends with Will Levis, so I'm sure he's going to want to, you know, give Will the best fight he can, uh, some friendly competition there. And he's a dual-threat guy, which obviously really the only dual-threat Kentucky's faced this year was Richardson. We all know how well UK did there. Uh, I know Brady Cook had the RPL run on him last week, but they handled that pretty well. But, uh, you know, Mike Wright will make some plays, but I'm not too worried about that overall. For me, what this game is, is you've got to score. you you got to, like Jalen was saying, the young kids, the recruits, they want to see style points. They want to see yards. They want to see, you know, they want to see 45-7 on the board when you're playing Vanderbilt. you got to do it this week. I mean, it, not Vanderbilt's defense is not just because they're Vanderbilt. They're ranked 130th in the country against the pass. They're giving up 314 yards a game through the air. They rank 126. Uh, in total defense, that only Arizona and Colorado are worse than the power five. Um, they have an okay run defense at 68, but 
uh, outside their linebacker, uh, Ojari, number one, uh, number zero, who leads the SEC with 89 tackles. They are a mess on defense, and they have two starters out with injury. And like you said, Vinny, we'll see what their uh, their flu situation is, uh, if it's more of a defense or offense issue or both, whatever. Um, this is a bad Vanderbilt defense, and Kentucky has a an NFL-caliber quarterback. It's time to air the ball out, do it unafraid, and put a crooked number on the board and show, you know, why the fans were so excited for this offense and why recruits should be excited about it too. Yeah, and I, you know, they played Ole Miss and Jackson Dart is kind of a, you know, he's a he's a he's a dual threat guy. Or yeah. So um but you know, if I'm if I'm Kentucky, I'd definitely rather play AJ Swan. And I know who the AJ Swan kid is. He's from around here actually. Uh, good quarterback, but at the same time, when you got a quarterback who can, who can, you know, terrorize you with his legs, because you get everything covered, and he's still able to run the ball and, and, and make big plays with his feet. Uh, I can only imagine how that feels as a defensive coordinator when you've done everything you possibly could do. So that you know, but at the end of the day, call a spade a spade. Kentucky's roster is better. Uh, Kentucky has better players at the end of the day. So. Uh, this is one of those games where coaches feel a little bit of pressure because you, you know, everybody knows that you're the better team. So you have to produce, you, you got to perform. Uh, so I, I can only imagine that on the offensive side of the ball, uh, they may be feeling a little bit of that, you know, on the coaching room and the coaching staff. Um, and it's normal, but at the same time, you got to perform, got to produce. Um, I want to see, Jatan McClain touched the ball more, uh, if if all possible. I think I think he's a weapon. Um, and I said this to somebody. I forgot who I was talking to recently. Chris Rodriguez is great, great player. You know, get a get a legitimate shot to play at the next level. But at the end of the day, um, he doesn't produce a lot of explosives. Right. Which is which is what at the end of the day, if you measure explosives, explosives lead the points. Out, out of everything else. Um, he doesn't get a lot of explosives. Now, he's going to get you the consistent, you know, I tweeted about this, the, the ugly yards, the, the tough, gritty, stoops-type wins. He helps with that. But when it comes to explosives, um, they that's going to be the thing. So I honestly believe that, you know, they're not going to miss him as much as people think when he leaves because I think whoever's behind him is probably going to be a little bit more explosive. Um you know, and be able to catch the ball better out of the backfield. Now, you got to live with sometimes having negative yards. That's one thing that, um, you know, Rodriguez don't really give you is those negative runs. He's always falling forward. But I would, as a coach, I would trade that because a lot of that is off the line. I would trade that in for a guy who's going to, you know, instead of giving me six, who's going to get me 26 or going to give me 20, right, on the explosive run, personally. You know, the way I like to, you know, play football, but um, I think they got they got to generate more explosives on offense. You know, I just think that's you have to, right, against Vanderbilt. You got to do that for recruiting purposes, right? Um, for morale purposes, for keeping guys on campus for next season, uh, for getting guys, you know, some tick against Vanderbilt. You know, you want to be able to get some guys in in this on this week. Now, obviously, you got to win the game, but you want to be able to get some guys in the game uh, who don't normally play a lot of tick. So. You know, that's the thing. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. You know, I've heard from people that, that you know, that Levis is 
more injured than yes I've even thought. Um, so you know, I can see why he's not really you know moving around as much. Um, but at the same time, I think they're good enough up front. They're good enough at receiver, good enough at running back, where you know they should be able to put some points on the board at the end of the day on Saturday. Get it to where you can rest. Will get Dustin Wade some reps, man. See what you've got. I mean, yeah, man. really, this is probably the last chance they're going to be able to do something like that because we all know, unless the Georgia game is a bloodbath and you're getting killed and you can get some guys in, uh, you're not going to be able to do that. Louisville. You, you feel pretty good, but, man, that Louisville pass rush, it's going to make for a close game because it's kind of Kentucky's weakness against Louisville's strength. And then, you know, the bowl game, you know, we'll see what NFL decisions are made uh, with Will and maybe C-Rod or whatever. But, you know, it, you'll get a lot of practice time for young guys, not necessarily game time, and you're going to have guys already in the portal by then. So, you know, this is a game they didn't really get the opportunity um, to play young guys early in the year because they let Miami hang around. They let Youngstown hang around. Or not hang around, but they just never put that game fully away. Uh, and obviously the Northern Illinois game was a one-possession game. So, uh, yeah, blow them out and get some guys some some clock in the in the second half. How much are they favored by? I had not even looked. 18. Wow. Okay. All right. We'll see if that plays out. We've we've been in this position before where it should play out where you can sit some guys and, and get some some banged up guys some rest and get some young guys some run and we've seen them be fourth quarter games when they shouldn't be. So hopefully that is not the case <laughs> Saturday with Vandy. Yeah. It shouldn't be, but you never know. Yeah, you never know. Um you know, it's a home game though, so Hopefully that played a part, you know, but, you know, again, I I just believe that you got to got to generate some excitement, you know, yeah. at the end of the day. And you guys know this because you guys watch football, you you know, you know, the game and whatnot. But for a, a kid who's looking from a different perspective, a recruit who's looking from a diff, different perspective, whether they're on the sideline or they're watching a the game on TV. Watching those tough, grinded out, we've punted six times. Like watching those games as a skilled guy. <laughs> Say that again. Flip, flip the cheap TV. Yeah, or just you know they're watching this like ah, like I like Kentucky, but you know, am I gonna be able to? You know, they need to see a game where you know is 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 you know. The ball is being thrown. Is we getting explosive plays? We're spreading the thing out a little bit, which I saw a little bit of it, and I was actually uh, happy to see it. You know, and I know it come off as I give a lot of criticism to Scangarillo, but um, he had some great calls in the Missouri game. Uh, some of those screens at good timing. Uh, I thought some of the, you know, spreading the field a little bit and throwing some of those, you know, yes, yep, some of those, you know, just staple concepts that your quarterback has been running since he was in high school, probably. Some of those kids probably been running similar concepts as they were in middle school. So, you know, and, and just running, you know, running your base offense and let your quarterback just flow in the offense, right, rather than it being so pieced together and so rigid. Uh, so it was it was good to see that. Um, and, you know, and they need to build on that this week. I, I it's, You know, Levis should not leave this game with, you know, less than 300 yards passing, in my opinion. You know, this defense is – let's call it what it is. They're terrible. Uh, you know, so they they got they got to they got to score some points. 
Yeah, two things off what you said that are great points. You know, you mentioned the young kids, but now too with the transfer portal, guys who are watching Kentucky need to see that they're going to a situation that's A, better than what they're already in, and two, is it going to really elevate me to that next level? Like we see it, you know, Kentucky's never going to really have an issue with DBs because Mark Stoops, that's his bread and butter, and we've seen how many, you know, DBs have been in the NFL and linebacker too, but you know, at wide receiver now with the way this offense is this year, I mean, are they going to get another guy like Tavion who was able to turn on the tape and watch Wandale and hope to be that? Uh, I'm just not sure. So you you, you got to show it uh, from that side of it. And um, I'm glad Rich Gangrello finally, finally moved upstairs to the box to call plays. Um, that's what he's done his whole career as a play caller. That's what he, uh, I don't know, I don't think, actually, I think he's on the sideline as the QB's coach. Because um, Mike McDaniel, the OC, was upstairs, but he he admitted that you know he should have done it earlier. You know, Will's an older guy; he can handle himself down there. Uh, the communication's just fine. So um, I, I think he saw the field a lot better uh, on Saturday, and there was definitely some better play calls. There were definitely a, still some head scratchers in there, but that could just be philosophy that you're just going to have to live with with him as the OC. But yeah, they were there were definitely some shots. There were the screens were. Um, better design slash better like called at better times and um, I, I thought it was a much better called game than you know we've seen the last couple weeks something to build on something to <laughs> you yeah. gotta have foundation and gotta start somewhere and uh, maybe and thought we'd see it sooner, but we didn't. But maybe now we, we, we see the man getting a little bit of a groove and, and getting his bag a little bit on a consistent basis. Yeah, I, I, and also I, I really believe that uh, the Dingle Kid can, you know, next year the Dingle Kid could be a thousand-yard receiver at tight end. I, I, think, I, I think he has, or close to it, I know that's a thousand-yard stuff, but I, I think he has that type of skill set. He's a he's an NFL tight end. I said it from when I first saw him play. I was like, you know, he he's a he, he has the skill set. He could do it all. I mean, the over the shoulder catch against Tennessee. I mean, he he can play. He and he can do he can do some stuff with the ball after the catch too. You know, mm-hmm. he, he's he's a good player, man. And uh, the Caddis kid coming along, the the, the future is looking bright in that tight end role. Wow, is he nasty out there? He's yeah. fun to. Yeah, it's looking bright in the tight end role. Sure. Yeah. Now we uh, what we teased a little something last week. Talked about something that we could talk about soon last week, and uh, we got links and we got pictures and uh, basically we, we we got a little bit of merch now for the people that listen that we that's, that's available to check out. Uh, we got some shirts. With the Believe logo called Cat Daddies. Jalen come up with the Cat Daddies phrase. So y'all go to shop.believe.com and check out the Believe in Kentucky t-shirts. You got the white, you got the blue, you got the gray. I think each one of us is getting one in each different color. So <laughs> future episodes, we'll have our Cat Daddy shirts on and uh, but hope y'all appreciate y'all listening. Hope y'all go to the site and, and like these shirts and get some for yourself and for your friends and family. And, and if that does well, there might be some other different forms of merchandise that pop up there uh, for this show as well. So that's that's pretty cool that they 
you know, got the got the design, got it back to us. We all liked it, and now it's on the website, uh, believe.com shop. You can purchase it for yourself. So we hope that does well, man. We tweeted it out, and we, my bad, I don't say it enough, but y'all can follow us on Twitter. Uh, Aaron Gershon, A Gershon ninety nine, Jalen Whitlow, J Whitlow underscore two, Mon Vinny Hardy, Vinny with a Y, Hardy with a Y. At Believe in Kentucky, B-L-E-A-V-I-N, Kentucky, all spelled out. Uh, on Instagram, had one, had to get another one. It's B-L-E-A-V-I-N-K-Y, Believe in K-Y on Instagram. Got a Facebook page, got a TikTok. Got the link to the merch on all of those social media as well. So if y'all follow that, y'all have seen it. Uh, and if you like it, you can follow the whole network, Believe Network. And Twitter, tweet them and say, hey, man. Like to see them believe Kentucky have some skull caps or some hoodies or some this or some that. You know, if if you like what you see in the shirt form, might be other forms of merch as well. So um, didn't say that at the beginning, but go check out the merch. Go check out these episodes everywhere you get your podcast. Go to believe.com and you can play it straight up right there. Or your Apple Podcast, your Spotify. Stitcher, your Spreaker, your CastBox, all your different podcast platforms. Uh, you can watch, I believe, YouTube. Uh, believe TV is coming up as well. You can listen on TuneIn. Go to Believe Radio or Believe Football. Two different channels on TuneIn, and we're going to be on both of them. So all kinds of different ways where y'all can get at us if you want to hear us, if you want to watch us. We definitely appreciate it. Can't forget the friends at A Sea of Blue. Each of these episodes go up on the Sea of Blue website. Jason Markham tweets them out, puts them up on the Facebook page on the website. We appreciate that as well. And you got to tell them about our friends at Lots of Rain. Go to Lots of Rain and get yourself a nice watch. They always sponsor the podcast. Any type of watch you like, you get a whole lot more watch for your money than you normally would. Because these watches are very, very nice and not very very expensive lots of rain.com la-t-o-u-r-a-i-n-e.com see what dave and ben got going appreciate everybody listens a lot of people listen in kentucky but bbn is everywhere so you got people on the east coast the west coast foreign countries that listen to this podcast so we appreciate everybody that takes the time to pop in and see what we're trying to say each and every week so that was a big mouthful but had to get that in we talked a lot about the football. We talked about Vandy. We looked back at Mizzou. Just other UK stuff real quick. Uh, the men's soccer just won again. AG looks like they beat West Virginia in the Sun Belt. It's so weird. I'm not saying it's yeah, the Sun Belt. Sun Belt tournament for the that's like, but that is like the better soccer conference. So they're actually playing. So, yeah, I don't know. One of my buddies is on the beat. Uh, the, Student reporter, he's a really good kid. He's a big soccer guy, so he's always trying to get me to go. And I'm just like, I've got too much going on. No offense. <laughs> Need to run up to the bill one time, man. Check it out. Uh, but yeah, I got to get off my SEC high horse and thinking that God, they playing the Sun Belt. That's what. I know. It is a good thing for me in soccer because that is a top notch. That's the best league. And not every SEC school has soccer, right? So like Kentucky. Right. Um, South Carolina, is that it? Or yeah, there there is an SC. Man, uh, you're testing me with the soccer. I think I want to say I want to say there is an SEC men's soccer, but it's not everybody. 
Georgia and like I don't know. I don't know how many schools have soccer in Odell. Yeah, I thought and I thought some of it was you know, there was a couple of schools that maybe like club. Yeah. It's not really, you know, it's not really like club. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So uh it it, it it is kind of weird. And I was having a conversation with somebody because I, I used to train a kid who uh, who I think he just got an offer from Kentucky in, software, in soccer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and he was, like, talking about conferences. And I was like, yeah, I totally forgot that they weren't in the SEC. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little odd. Yeah. yeah. So, undefeated season, number two in the country. So, I hope they keep it rolling in men's soccer. Um Basketball now, the exhibition is over. They played Howard Monday night, and we talked about the other day. But well, you never know who you're going to run into. It was a star-studded game because Ving Rhames was in the house. You know, we got the meet. Yeah, that was wild, huh? His son played for Howard. Uh, Keith Frummer took a picture with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis because uh, they had some people connected to Howard. And so you just never know who's going to be at Reverino watching watching the basketball game, man. Uh, that was a that was a fun game, man. Yeah, they looked really good without three starters, and uh, well, I'm sure we'll get more into it as the season goes on. But Casein Wallace, that kid is going to be a top five draft pick. So enjoy him while you have him. He is a uh, he's an electric factory, man. He was so fun to watch. Absolutely. Duquesne comes to town Friday. Then you ramp up a little bit with Michigan State and. And Gonzaga down the road in a, in a week and a half or two. And so, be a little bit better competition coming in. But, um, yeah, so it's that time. All the sports happening all at once. And before we get out too, man, look, our Yankees and Braves didn't make the World Series. But congratulations to Dusty Baker, the Houston Astros. I didn't, I, I couldn't root for the Phillies. Not the Astros, to Dusty Baker. Dusty, yeah. I love. Yes. Yeah. And Trey Mancini. Yeah. He, can, he can have his, you know, surviving cancer, and he's a great ambassador of the game. Uh, no one else. They're yeah. cheaters. Sorry. And Van Howes is a big Astros fan, so congratulations to Van Howes. I guess. Oh, <laughs> uh, but you know, if if the Braves, if my Braves wasn't in there last year, I would have been rooting for Dusty last year. But I couldn't, you know, couldn't yeah. be last year. You guys made it back again. Oldest manager to ever win a World Series. Yeah. Seventy-three years old. And third World Series, third time was the charm for him. This dude was on deck when Hank Aaron broke Babe Ruth's home run record. Dusty was in the on deck circle in Atlanta. So the man's been in baseball for over 50 years. He deserves it. He does. He, he has some good squads that made the World Series. He made it with San Francisco. He lost to seven. Um, made he it. In 2003, the Steve Bartman game. That was his team. Yeah. And, and he, he, got, he, got fired. he got fired from some jobs when he probably shouldn't have. You know, yeah. 90 well, games and having a good season, and they, like, get and so That wasn't right. Congratulations, Dusty. You yeah. stuck through it. You persevered through a lot of mess, and you, you deserve that, man. Agreed with that. Agreed with that. But can't be too happy about the Astros, but Dusty, he's a baseball lifer. Uh, he's a damn good guy. I'm happy for him. I couldn't root for the Phillies, so congratulations to Dusty. <laughs> you know, look, the NL East is kind of like the NFC East. You know how it is. No, I, I get that for sure. I do get that. <laughs> well, man, fellas, we squeeze a whole bunch in. Hopefully, Kentucky can make it a two-quarter game and then 
young fellas in the second half. And, uh, you know, we'll be back next week to dealing with them Georgia Bulldogs. Who Thank you, Georgia, for handling Tennessee. Thank you all for bringing them down to earth. We appreciate you. Uh, they are on another level, and we'll talk about all that next week. But, fellas, man, appreciate the knowledge. Uh, glad you're not in Como anymore. We're not in Como anymore, AG. Uh, beautiful Lexington. Wouldn't want to be anywhere else right now. That's it. Y'all have a safe evening. Appreciate everybody that listens. Get yourself a cat daddy. Appreciate you coming up with the name, Jalen. And we're looking forward to getting ours in the mail. For Aaron Gershon, Jalen Whitlow, my name is Vinny Hardy. For another episode of Believe in Kentucky. We'll holler at everybody next week. Y'all take care. Right. Y'all have a good one. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.